Bonjour. I don't know why I always go to start these with bonjour, but it's the first thing that comes out of my mouth. Welcome. We are on, I think it's episode 28. I say this every time, like, I think I'm going to go confidently. This is episode 28. Um, today, I wanted to talk about some of my, well, they're not my favourite, but some of the most common myths around PCOS. I've just been updating uh, one of the talks in the Female Physiology Webinar series, which I will plug at the end. Um, but going back through that and just realising how much misinformation is out there um, and how much lack of education there is around PCOS, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to put this in a podcast episode. Um, some of the biggest myths. Also, segue. Something just came into my mind. Um, I was thinking about all the different podcast episodes I've done. Some of them are like t- from talks, uh, recorded from talks. And I was just thinking how even over the past 18 months, my view or opinions or even my knowledge around things has changed. And I don't really know the point I'm trying to make. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it's actually okay to change your mind about things. And if you do go back and listen to older episodes, I may have changed my view since then. Um, So I think it's really important that I keep recording these (laughs) and keep updating them, just like I'm updating this talk. Anyway, enough of that waffle. Let's crack on. Let's get stuck in, shall we? So biggest myths, PCOS. So if you don't know and you're listening and you're not even sure what PCOS is, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I guess the, the kind of first few myths relate to what it is and who has it. Um, the first myth, I guess, or thing that irks me, oh, what a good word, irk, uh, is that people still think that PCOS is not very common. It is. It is one of the most common endocrine disorders. I think the numbers currently, the stats are like one in ten. But this is one in ten women that have got formal diagnosis. And this number has definitely changed. I I 100% feel like this has changed. And even if it is one in ten, that's not including the women that are currently going through diagnosis or under their doctor with suspected PCOS because it can be such a drawn-out, long process. So it is common, actually. It's one of the most common endocrine disorders. So please, let's get that myth into the bin. The next one is it's just a reproductive disorder. Again, huge myth. I think people think ovarian, cysts, well, surely then it only affects the reproductive system. It doesn't. It has impacts throughout the whole body. Obviously, the first thing that, or the most common thing that people realise when they realise they maybe have PCOS is that they have missing or irregular periods. So, of course, that does bring about implications in terms of potential infertility or complications if you do get pregnant that is definitely something that comes with PCOS but there are also metabolic repercussions a lot of women with PCOS can end up with metabolic syndrome or type 2 diabetes there's a risk of cardiovascular disease all sorts of things linked to PCOS then you know not to to kind of brush under but probably one of the biggest things that people don't realize is the the links between PCOS and things like anxiety depression eating disorders 
That is huge and it is massively prevalent in women with PCOS. I think especially because there's such a lack of understanding around it. Like people think they don't know what to do. They try everything. They feel like they're at a complete loss. Um, so yeah, huge implications, not just reproductively, but metabolically and psychologically as well. So again, another one that really fucks me off, to be honest. Um, the third one is about PCOS itself. I'm just going to take a sip of coffee, don't mind me. Now, to diagnose PCOS, the most common way to diagnose it um, that, that doctors use, gynecologists, um, is called the Rotterdam criteria. You need two or three um, of the following criteria. So the first one is missing or irregular periods. The second one is elevated androgens. So this is male hormones like testosterone and DHEA, which we do have as women, but only in really small amounts. However, women with PCOS have elevated levels of these androgens. And then the third one is cysts. Cysts on your ovaries. So you could actually have high-level androgens and missing periods, but have no cysts, but you could still have polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's probably not a great name for it. It probably should be changed, but there we have it. You don't have to have cysts. And I have actually heard of women being turned away from their doctor because they don't have cysts, therefore they can't possibly have PCOS, it must be something else, which is just wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, and on those cysts, I don't know if this is a myth, but maybe just like a misconception, but the cysts in PCOS are not like your, you know, your dermal cysts, the normal kind of cysts that you get, the ones that are like filled with pus. No, not those kind of cysts, they're actually follicular cysts, they're essentially unreleased eggs. Um, so follicles release eggs, these cysts on women with PCOS ovaries are just unreleased eggs within there. So, yeah, you can see them um, if you have a scan. That's how doctors generally pinpoint them. But, yeah, again, I guess that is another little little uh, myth there. When it comes to, okay, maybe you are suspecting PCOS, or you have PCOS, right? You have PCOS and maybe you're having regular periods. Another thing that people get wrong is that if you're having a regular period in, in, and that means like a regular bleed, that you are ovulating regularly. Now that is not the case. You could have a period every month but not be ovulating and this is some of the, the problem with when you go to a GP and they say, oh, you know, we'll put you on the pill to regulate periods, you're kind of masking it. And this isn't a, an argument for or against going on contraception, by the way. I just want to point that out there. That's totally your choice. But you're not going to know if you're having a regular period or, uh, sorry, if you're regularly ovulated. And obviously, if you're not regularly ovulating, that causes complications if you're trying to get pregnant. So please don't think, well, I have a period every month. Therefore, my periods must be fine and I must be ovulating. You don't know that. Um, if you have really painful periods, it could be because of this as well. If you're not ovulating, when we ovulate, um, progesterone is released from this follicle that, that comes um, and therefore kind of kickstarts a process which gets estrogen to drop. If we're not getting a follicle, we're not getting progesterone, we're not getting these balance and effects from estrogen, that can make periods really heavy and really painful. And that is what we see a lot with women with PCOS. So yeah, another myth. If I'm having a period every month, then I must be ovulating every month. That's that's not the case. So please be aware of that. Um, I guess 
the key thing here is to track your cycles track your cycles track your temperature that's going to be your best way of knowing next myth um is that pcos is only seen in women that are overweight or women with type 2 diabetes absolutely wrong i have worked with women that are not overweight that have pcos i have clients now that are not overweight that are pcos there is a you know they use the terms um lean pcos and i think the other one might be obese pcos i don't like to use those words for obvious reasons um but if we're talking body composition wise we can have these two different types of pcos and this is generally because of the difference in insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is the main driver of weight gain in women that do gain weight with PCOS. Some women find that, you know, when they're going through the diagnosis or they start to suspect PCOS, it's because they start to reg uh, rapidly gain weight or they're gaining weight without, you know, any kind of cause or explanation. And a lot of this is down to insulin resistance. So the type of insulin resistance will determine whether you are classified as lean PCOS or not. So I've worked with both types. So again, no, it's not just in women that are overweight. Next one, PCOS is genetic, therefore out of your control, nothing you can really do about it, that's it. Now, obviously there is a genetic component to this. And we do see that in families where a lot of the women have got PCOS. There's obviously a genetic um, component there, but I think we need to move away from this idea that your genetics are your destiny. Like if you're genetically predisposed to gaining weight, you know, there is what we call the FTO gene, which means you will be, you know, more predisposed to being overweight later in life. But that doesn't mean that that is definitely what's going to happen. Um, when I did MNU, one of the things that, that really stuck with me was, you know, genetics pull the, no, sorry, let me start again, genetics loads the gun, but your environment pulls the trigger, and that's the best way you can think about, like, genetics, yes, genetics play a role, there is a genetic component in everything, for sure, but your genes are not your destiny, and your environment plays a big role, and to say that we have no control over PCS once we have it, and that we can't reverse it, is utter bullshit, we can, we do have some control, um, and we can definitely manage or in some cases reverse a lot of these symptoms. I had a client who actually managed to get all of her kind of hormone levels and testosterone completely back to normal. So I've seen it happen. I know that it can happen. Um, the next one is, you know, and I'm not here to slate doctors. I'm not a doctor. But again, the women that have come to me and the women I've worked with have had on the whole, not great experiences. Some doctors are absolutely brilliant, obviously, and if you go to a gynecologist, they'll be totally clued up, but there's a lot of blanket recommendations from doctors, such as, we'll give you metformin, that's the only way that you're going to get pregnant. Metformin is a drug that's typically given to people with type 2 diabetes. It's quite a harsh drug, um, can have quite harsh side effects. Obviously, very, very effective, but the thing with metformin is the effects stop the minute you stop taking it. Again, not an argument for or against, just laying out some facts. But this is it. Doctors will say, that's your only option. If you want to get pregnant, you'll need to go on metformin at some point. Or if you want to regula regulate your periods, we're going to have to put you on you know, some form of contraception. Now, the way that contraception works is it shuts off our natural hormone production, the ones that drive our menstrual cycle, and they replace them with synthetic versions. In some cases, this can 
raise certain hormones that then lower testosterone and might then improve some symptoms in some cases but for others and other women with PCOS it may worsen it you can just put in like a band-aid over it you're not really addressing the root cause when you put women on on contraception but for some women it works really well and it helps them for others it doesn't not an argument for okay it's totally your decision but I think doctors are just really quick to go straight to like prescriptions to drugs to any of those things without addressing lifestyle factors which have a huge impact and that's maybe not their fault you know GPs are quite open that they don't get much formal training if any on things like nutrition and exercise so that's a myth they're not they're not your best bets they're not you know the quick fix especially when it comes to things like anxiety and depression um, we know how easily medication for that gets handed out. Again, some people need it, not an argument for or against, but I think some people may need medication, but the things that we can do alongside that that we really need to focus on as well. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of the biggest myths, the big bad ones, the, mo- the most common ones, to be honest, Um I don't know, maybe you guys have more and maybe your experience with your PCOS diagnosis has has brought more to the forefront. But um, there are obviously some things nutritionally that I get into um, in the webinar. So the webinar is like this on fleek. I was going to say on steroids, but we'll say on fleek. So really exploring the evidence around different diet approaches and, again, myths and whether we do need to cut dairy or gluten and whether seed cycling actually works. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, drop me an email, drop me an uh, Instagram DM. I'm going to be launching those reworked webinars in a couple of weeks, so all about female physiology. And this is for anybody that works with women or is a woman or just wants to know a little bit more about women and you know what they go through in their reproductive life and clinical conditions like this. I hope... Um, you know, maybe this some of this is unfortunately relatable or has opened your eyes to the kind of information out there, misinformation out there, um, because chances are that you know, work with, live with, um, are friends with a woman with PCOS. So the more that you can understand, um, the better it is for everybody. That was episode 28, I think. Um, thank you for listening and I will be back sometime soon. Um, but yeah, if you want more information... Drop me an email, drop me a DM, and I'll catch you all soon.